Hello and welcome back to the Rigged Recap, where I am joined by the winner of every season of RuPaul's Drag Race, Bible Girl, and you're here to tell it, tell it. Uh-huh. Hi, Derek. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be back on your channel. This is like, you're, as I always say, one of my favorite YouTubers, one of my favorite drag culture commentators. You always see the vision. So I'm always happy to be here with you. Thank you. You are one of my favorite, just like drag artists, internet personalities, oh. any literally anything and everything. I'm just obsessed with you. So thank you so much for coming. Hobby. <laughs> I love you. Appreciate you. Yeah. So we have like actually a good episode to talk about. It was good. It was good. No, honestly, I kind of like this one. I think it was nice having everyone back in the workroom. There was yeah. dynamics. There was like, it, it wasn't a snooze. Like I feel like a lot of the season was. Yeah. I feel like there's, I feel like my, my big like overarching takeaway from the episode is that it wasn't a snooze, but it at the same time didn't go anywhere in like terms of a payoff moment outside of like what happened in the end. We'll get there. Did but, you like, see at Roscoe's how they said there was a whole fight where they all sat down and, and it all got cut? Like, what are we doing? I What's know. going on? Well, because we kind of had that on like All Stars 3 and that kind of led to like Bendela eliminating herself. Yeah. And it, yeah. I think like, even if it was a little messy, I think it helped to just like wrap up all of the arcs of, of the this, this season. Yes, I agree. I do agree. There's there's definitely like more ribbons on top of the package. Yeah, I, I think ultimately I was really happy to see everyone back, see the actual dynamic. I feel like that got stilted from the jump on episode one. I think especially like not being able to see someone like Monica a little bit more. I mean, it was her episode, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, like I have one thing to say, not a soaking clock. No soaking clocks allowed. <laughs> Salvador Dali found shaking in his grave. Quaking, quaking. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, I'm just really mad. I wish you kind of seen. I like this was such a dramatic season. So to yeah. not show us the fight is just kind of like, what was the point of all of this? Like, if there's no resolution to any of this shit, then like, why? I have to wonder. I know. Well, I do know for a fact that there was a turnover of the production crew post AS6. There was a bit of a not like a negative shakeup. There was just some moving parts going around. So I think. We see that in in the dis in the disparagement of I don't want to say quality, but like the pacing and I think the storytelling overall. Um, and we see that I think start to shift with AS Seven, of course. But because the dynamic was innately different with AS Seven, it wasn't as apparent. But now we're really seeing, especially now, like after I know how the sausage is being made with a different crew, it's a different POV of storytelling now. So I think we're trying to recalibrate as viewers and fans to understand this newer lens of production. So it's, it's this tiptoe fine line thing that we're all dancing with right now. I think. I agree. This episode actually gave me big all-star seven vibes because like yes. they yes. didn't want to give any ne negative critique. They were just here to like feature the girls and like everyone have their moment and just kind of like celebrate everybody, which, which is good. I, I appreciate it in this sense because it really didn't affect the season as a whole. I think it did negatively affect all-star seven as a whole i agree I, I do fully agree i think when because i don't think anyone phoned in their performances on all-star seven i think it just when the stakes just don't feel high we're here for the stakes to be high we need medium rare steak you know like <laughs> exactly well and i i'm sure. shocked by like and i guess i this is kind of a negative or a um unpopular opinion like i don't think all-star seven was like that great like i think the the queens were great the performances were great the runways were great but as a like reality television program it did not hit for me 
the the standard yeah. was pretty low in like production quality. Like it was, it just felt like any other season, but it was an all yeah, well, winter season. And that's the strange thing to me too, is like, obviously it's considered an all-star season, but for me, I feel like you'll probably prescribe to the same idea. It's like, it doesn't, it feels like its own insulated thing like a like a versus the world project it doesn't feel like it's a part of the all-stars iteration universe so it's always so jarring to me to to be like wait oh i i like i feel like all-stars eight theoretically should be canon all-stars seven because all winners i think they have enough different spin-offs and iterations i don't think there was be there would be no reason why they wouldn't have a specific winner's spin-off rather than branding it as as7 i don't know what their thought process was behind that yeah, I mean, I, I've said before, like, if they gave the budget of Queen of the Universe to All-Star 7, we would be having, like, a much different conversation. Yes. Or I, even Secret Celebrity Drag Race. Yeah, there was a lot of backing in both of those projects, respectively. And, you know, I'm sure Secret Celebrity will come back in some faction, but we know what happened with Queen of the Universe, and that was definitely more of a production fumble beyond anything else. But yeah, I think if they actually took the time and the financial investment into figuring out how to upscale like look at american idol i know it's kind of apples to oranges and competition setting but the way they scaled is very apparent and like it's not like rue paul's drag race is any less of a juggernaut at this point or any less of a cultural phenomenon at this point and they definitely have the financial access i would be sure of it where they could figure out how to put a little jush in there we'll see as9's around the corner it is. Um, I also have concerns about that, but that's for a whole Me other too. podcast. That is for a whole other <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. This season, I think after, because it's billed as the same show as All-Star 7, unfortunately, it is kind of set up to fail because we have these huge expectations set by 7 in just the quality of drag. And unfortunately, wow. these queens, I just don't think have a, the budget or like the materials around them or the people around them to like match that. Okay, yes. And I know this is, it's about ASA, it's slight tangent, but to compound off of that, I feel like we're literally seeing the strings being pulled or like how the pen is writing on the paper for their eliminations. Uh, I feel like this is my tinfoil conspiracy hat theory. We love those here. They obviously see everyone's runway packages before, ahead of time. They obviously inquire what their plans are to be for execution for certain challenges. In my mind, I'm sure they were figuring out how to stack the cards as organically as possible based on what they valued more based on each respective package. And I feel like it's very apparent as a viewer before even an industry person, like it 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 doesn't feel like it's not even that it's rigged, but we'll I know you'll be getting into that on one of your <laughs> other uh, conversations, but it's like I don't know. I just feel like it didn't it didn't set any of the contestants up for success. I think it's I think it did them all a disservice in a way because I personally was very excited about the mixed bag of a cast. I think it's really dynamic. I really think it's it's so wrong to do the some stars joke because it's just not true. These are all people who have laid down groundwork in so many different avenues and so many of their own personal respects. Um, which is what made me very excited about it. But they're just not able, because of how stale the formula with All-Stars is as well, it prohibits most of the contestants to actually get the flowers that they deserve at this point, which is the most frustrating point for me, I think. Mm -hmm. I agree. And that's why like, I am excited that on All-Stars 9, they are given their stipend, and it is a good one. Um, yes. And they're given a budget for their runways. Because like, at the end of the day, some of these early outs that they bring back, there's... 
no difference in like what they can bring to the competition. There is difference in maybe some of their connections, their budget for things yes. because they're not booked as much because there's yes. such a relation to like how, how you do on the show versus your bookings that I think if we're going to do early outs on all-stars, which I'm fine with this new stipend thing, evens out the playing field. completely. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm very curious to see if the rumors are true that it's going to be a non alim season again, which whatever well, I, I'm, gonna save, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna save my judgment for when it comes out in a year yes but, we're gonna watch it anyway well and it's interesting because i think that and you know just kind of the vibe all stars is not what it used to be for no. the queens going on it's not as big of a bump in your career it's not as big of a, a jump in like opportunities for you because I just don't think people talk about it as much as they do the main seasons now. And I think because we have all of these international franchises that everyone is watching, some of those are better than All-Stars. So, like, if you're picking between, do I want to watch Drag Race Espana? Okay, maybe not this last season. Not third. Or or All-Stars. Like, I might pick Espana if I think it's, you know, a better show, which in some regards it is. Totally, totally. And even down to like the production level, honestly, or, exactly. or Mexico, like it's just it's pretty night and day. And yeah, I think there's a novelty factor, but they figured it out from the jump. Yeah, it's it's just very interesting. I think also part of that problem, too, is just the inconsistency with networks and distribution or even just overall inaccessibility. Like I know that there's network contracts and stuff, but the fact that like we domestically can't watch all-stars on wow presents plus and then you need to get paramount it's just like i think that is doing them a disservice overall in terms of visibility which then as you you pointed out it does the contestants a complete disservice in that type of visibility and gaining more traction and momentum to have more of a prolific career on the other side yeah well and even just like season 15 aired at what was it 9 p.m and everybody sat down and they watched it yeah. together and there's a sense of community there where it's like all stars drops like in the middle of the fucking night streaming shit yeah you're right so you're right everyone is watching it at different times some people work the next day some people don't work and they can watch it right when they get up some people like they work and then they have to cook dinner for their families and da, 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 and they can't watch it until like so there's no like we're all watching this at the same time we're all on twitter at the same time reacting to the episodes so i just feel like that sense of community is lost and yeah. When I'm doing my pod- my podcast or I'm doing videos, like I do look to Twitter or I guess, you know, maybe not anymore, but I did look to Twitter. Follow us on threads. Ew. Yeah. Um, to look at kind of like the pulse of like what is the fandom's reaction to this. And I feel like this season I haven't been able to do that because people just aren't talking about it as much. Yeah, it's really strange. And I think on top of that with how like Twitter has just shifted to being more of a ghost town, I think there's just so many elements stacked against this specific season succeeding right now going back to monica though she's trending everywhere as she She should everywhere everywhere (laughs) and they like there's uh there's that like when you go to the explore tab on twitter it'll be like videos that'll be interesting to you all five of them were different versions of her performance clip so mama is running the gambit she's winning the fame games and i don't give a fuck war in my (laughs) Well, and it was really interesting watching uh, Denali was just on um, Tell to Me Straight with Maddie. Yes. And Maddie asked her, it's like, would you do All-Stars? And someone like Denali, I'm sure production wants back bad. I mean, she was a huge fan favorite with a lot of talent who just needed maybe a little, like one more year. And she could just like annihilate an entire season. Sure. Um, and she doesn't really seem interested. Yeah, And it's like, it's such a paradigm shift where like, if someone did well in their season, you could 
bank that they're going to be on All-Stars. Like, 1,000% they're going to be bank. And now it's like all of these queens, they don't necessarily need to go back on All-Stars. Because if you do well once, you're kind of set. Yeah, as long as you're received well, regardless of how you place, you're pretty good. And I think for Denali's specific instance, like, I mean, she just did a show in fucking Japan, right? Like, she clearly is doing just fine. And I'm sure she prescribes to the notion of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've definitely seen situations on All-Stars in the past where people come in as very strongly perceived contenders and they just get the shaft and it stunts them. And I Mm -hmm. think... That is something that a lot of the the alumni probably take into consideration nowadays, especially as like, as we were saying, like All-Stars is less of a novelty because there's so many now. Um, I think it goes back to even that last conversation you and I had back in September about the oversaturation thing where it's like there's more girls stacking up or more performers stacking up on that end of the drag race spectrum of alumni. They're getting all lost in their own sauce. So then the fight on that end is one microcosm. And then we have this other microcosm where we can kind of thrive and do our thing nebulously. But I think it's, yeah, it's a really weird dynamic that I think they're all probably having to navigate and weigh their options as best as possible. Exactly. I I feel for the Queens, especially in this season, I really don't think they're getting the boost that they expected or, or wanted. And especially like, like if the season is not beloved by the fandom, it kind of just gets thrown away now. Like, we don't have to focus on it. Like, we're not, like, waiting a whole year for a new season where we can, like, you know, discuss a season and whatever. Like, you can literally just be like, okay, I'm not going to think about that anymore because I have yeah. 40 other franchises. Season to... is just perpetual now. Yeah, exactly. So I definitely feel feel for this cast. But I thought this was a really strong talent show. It was a really strong reading challenge. And I think it proved that there is a lot of talent on this cast and a lot of diversity in their talent. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad Kasha Davis won the reading challenge. Yes! Mama needs her fucking flowers. <sighs> God. She was so overlooked early in the season, I, I thought. It's it's really unfortunate because it's it reminds me of, like, with, with Charity Case. Mm-hmm. Don't fucking book these performers when you know exactly what they bring to the table and then just shove it back in their face. Like, it really does... It that That's really weird and irky to me. Like, Kasha Davis has been so consistent in what her drag aesthetic is, what her, while also scaling and trying to adapt and contemporize. And she, her POV is very clear to me. And like, if it doesn't gel with people, that's fine too. But I just wish that the show itself didn't perpetually frame her as just like the battle axe that's there. Like, it's just, it's, it's unfair. Um, because I think what she does even outside of the show is so important. And I wish that they gave her more space to talk about that because I'm sure she did. I'm sure she talked about her drag story hour. I'm sure like they, they, she was great at branding the brunch thing. I'm glad that they allowed her to have that, but I'm sure she spoke on many different levels about the work that she does outside of the show. And I wish the, the greater audience that is less tapped in than us were able to be privy to just how she runs shit. She is cool. I love her. Agreed. And specifically when you have her there with Darian, which yes. is like such a like built in storyline, like yes. such a, a didn't go anywhere. No, literally not even mentioned except for like once in untucked when they were both on uh, the chopping block. And they're like, well, we're really they tour together all the time. It blows my mind that it just never got talked about. Yeah, no, this this season feels like a, just a lot of missed opportunities. Um, and it's, it's sad because I I want better for the people on it. And I want better for like the people on the next all-star season who are like looking at this, like, well, shit, like 
am I setting myself up for something that's just going to be a waste of time and a waste of money if I'm not going to be seeing the return on that? Yeah. Um, it was also, I'd be remiss in saying it just feels weird not seeing Heidi, regardless of the circumstance. It feels really sad. Well, it, and I I know that WoW is like, God damn it, because she's a big pull for this cast. Like yeah. this this cast has a lot of kind of people who you wouldn't expect to see back, who fans aren't like, we need this queen on all stars, but they're still cool to see back because it's like cool, like. I want to see what they can bring. Heidi is one of the couple that like everyone wanted to see back. Like everybody. It was her time. Like mm-hmm. she's one of the greatest from that franchise period. She's so, she's legitimately such a nice person, such a talented artist. Her run on season 12 was amazing. Like she's just such a wonderful personality. Um, and I respect her choice for leaving. I get that. I, I think if you got to protect your piece, get the hell out of Dodge. So maybe, I don't know if it was a production choice to not have her back. Maybe they just presumed if she left, she wouldn't want to come back. Or she said, nah, I'm good, a la Akira. Which again, in that case, I respect that. I would just be remiss in not acknowledging. It felt kind of heavy not seeing her. I'd like my brain would be like, where is she? Exactly. But- well, and I'm sure in that um, fight that they cut out, like that had to have been brought up. So like, even to just get some closure on that would be, I think, interesting to watch. But it seems like the fight was more about, like, Alexis, Michelle taking out Lala Ree and, like, that whole situation. So, like, I understand if they don't want to, like, harp on that anymore. But still, like, just, like, I think it would have added to the episode regardless. I agree. I agree. Who was the weakest reader for you? Uh, Kahana. But, like, I don't think she was that bad. Like, it wasn't, like, cringe. Well, and I think they could have edited it to be very cringe and, like, you know, like, the music cues and stuff that they wanted, but that's not what this episode was about. So, who is your favorite? My favorite, definitely Kasha, for sure. Easy delivery. Uh, Honestly, Jimbo's, I kind of remember what Jimbo's was like. Jimbo's just the, like, um, Jennifer Lopez has one thing to say to you, Nasha. Fuck you. Like, she had like yeah, that, that was like, that was the first one she did. And I was like, okay, slow burn, slow burn. And then she said one that was really good. And I can't oh, remember. Oh, it was about Kahana's asshole leaking. This is yes. what happened oh to Vegas. Oh my God. What happened to Kahana leaks down uh, her legs afterwards. <laughs> she's so good at having the subtextual punchline. And like, she's also just never afraid to go there. Like, I know Jimbo is very polarizing, I see the vision. I see the vision as well. I, I respect why people don't jive, but I, she is the performer lip sync assassin representation that I have needed all my life. Yes, <laughs> yes. Someone who can like subvert the the conditioned expectation from Drag Race, the universe of Drag Race as an entire global entity of what a performer is supposed to be like. That is something like for myself that I have always been up against because I'm not an eight counter one two stepper. I I'm very Martha Graham interpretive, be a little funny and goofy, subvert the expectation kind of gal. And I feel like Jimbo is so emblematic of that. And I think regardless of the actual content that she's bringing. Every time she does something, there's something different. Yep. And there's a lot to I also, um, I just found it kind of, it, I thought it was a little far, but I was like, whatever. Alexis Michelle, her read for Lala was literally just, do you want my dick or what? Oh, I was just like, I don't know if we have to go there, gal. Like, all respect and love if you want to be cutie and flirty, but that's a little much. I mean, Alexis's whole story arc this season was she's very horny. Someone come fuck this woman. She's a horny Rachel Berry. Yeah, no, yes, yes, yes. Get it in. 
Yeah, no, and it's funny because like you could tell Lala's like trying to like be in, but she's a little bit like, oh my goodness, okay. And then they have that like it felt very forced um conversation later where they're like flirting, but Lala's more yeah. just like, oh, interesting. It's an Ivy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so that was a little like awkward, but it was like whatever. Um, yeah, I mean we could see right through that shit. So it makes it a yeah. little easier. Yeah, I hope Alexis Michelle got plowed because it seems like she <laughs> very much needed it when she was there. So what else happens? Really nothing. <laughs> like they go kind of right into the talent show. I know. I wish they kept in the scene where I came in that episode and stole the mannequin. No, literally, yeah. And um one of Jimbo's boobs. I know. I have that. I use that for my singular ass pad just to keep it interesting. <laughs> it's a great pillow at night, too. Yeah, silicone based always. Oh, yeah, for sure. I wish they had a runway. There wasn't a runway. There was not a runway, which is, I guess, somewhat okay, like usual for a talent show. But I feel like if you're going to have all these people back and make this the whole like fame games talent show, also let them show off a look. Also, I cannot get behind or understand the method in making the fame game runways untucked exclusives. That is such a bizarre choice to me. Like, I get we have run times and shit, but like... I just... Okay, let me ask you this. Do you think the fame games worked? No. I don't. I really don't. And I, I, don't, I don't put that on the performers, though. I don't think it worked because I think the problem that Drag Race is facing right now, ultimately, is that... The, the shark has been jumped, obviously, but that's something that can be course corrected. But I think part of that problem, the biggest factor at play is that they keep trying to out twist their twists. And it's like you're trying to get bigger and bigger and bigger and gaggier and gaggier, but it's actually counterproductive. And like, I think what we saw with, I think uh, it, season 15 is a great example, like very good return to form, no bullshit outside of the the shorter run times. But once we recalibrated to the longer episodes, it all made so much sense. Like everything worked for me, honestly. Um, and I feel like, you know, they they course corrected from Chocolate Bargate. They course corrected from Pork Chop Doc or whatever the fuck it was. And like, <laughs> it's it's just like, you guys have to like, re- under like formula shakeups are cool, but like not when it's every single year. And like, it, and like, it's okay to, uh, stunt a met- or boost a metabolism shift something every couple of years like i think lip sync assassins have to get docked for a minute we have to figure out something new for all stars it's a little too ho-hum at this point yep. uh, to the point where i forgot that that only happened that only started in all stars five it feels like that's been a staple for a long time at this point but i'm ready for a change in that regard for sure yeah it's only worked on one season so like it's it's one of one for three right now which is like not as6 was the most successful oh yeah yeah, yeah. Well, and for the fame game specifically, I love the idea. I love the idea that the queens get to show off all their looks. I love all of that. I just think they, one, it's at the very end as like a little throwaway at the end of Untucked. Why not just have them do it during the runway? Like just say, and now time for our fame games queens. Like votes open July 14th, whatever. And then just do it there. That is like the best way to showcase. And also... I'm completely fine with one of them winning money. I think that's awesome. But the runner-up isn't getting anything that we that has been announced. I was just having that conversation the other day that that is so interesting. Because, like, was it... It was season 13. Simone won and got the money, of course. But then Candy also got runner-up money, right? Yeah. So, didn't it? Anitra got runner-up money, I think, too, right? She did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're right. It's kind of like on All-Star 7. Like, Raja won 50K for winning the, like, lip-sync battle for them. But Monet didn't win anything despite being the runner-up. Yeah, so, it's, like, a little stilted. Yeah, like, give the runner-up, like, 75, or, like, 
give the fame games 25 and the runner up 50. I just feel like the runner up deserves more than like a fame games winner. You know I what agree. I mean? So I, I, I think that I am down for this twist in future seasons. I think that you don't even need to make it a twist. Just have it be a regular thing. Yeah. Like, like the less weird they make it, the less weird it'll come across. Right. Like they're just, just like, just be direct, straightforward. It is what it is. Stop calling it this name by something with five different compound adjectives. It's so confusing to like a general average viewer. Like it's too much. It's the too fame much. Games is not even a good name. Like, I don't even think it's really indicative of like what it actually is. It's not one-to-one to the point of it at all. <laughs> no. I completely agree with you. Yeah. Like literally do this for season 16, do it. And then just have that be another thing you announce at the reunion. Like cool. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be this huge thing. Yeah, and as I'm thinking about it, when we were talking about, like, visibility and people, be, audience retention and stuff, it's like, I remember with AS6, because that was the first one that went to Paramount, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. We didn't even know that there was an untucked iteration, because it wasn't actively being promoted alongside the regular franchise tab. So, like, you have to dig, and that's what's happening now also. So, the fame games is really tanking in that regard also. Like, it's being muted, essentially, because people don't even know where to find it. No, exactly. And I'll struggle because so I have like multiple people logged into my Paramount account and they'll watch the episodes before me. So they don't come up as like new for you. Like I have to go find them. And it's it's easy to find the regular uh, season or like the yes. main show, but it's really hard to find Untucked. I don't understand why it's that way at all. Yeah, no, it, it's bizarre. Do you want to get into these talent shows? Let's fucking do it. We have kind of a lot. So did you like that uh, Candy and Jimbo kind of like hosted but then got to do their little thing at the end. I thought it worked well. I think it worked pretty well. I think like, obviously there's runtime and like shooting film schedule stuff that I think was at play for me. I just feel like it was a little, okay, now this, okay, now this, okay. And like their chemistry is still cool regardless together. I really love the two of them as a dynamic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, it, it worked for what it was, for what it served. It was a good reprieve for them. I think it's like a nice little like final lap thing for them to yeah and then they can just like let it all hang out because it's literally low stake episode for them yeah yeah i mean i i don't really get this like top two thing for like three episodes whatever but like especially because you have to have the whole rest of the cast there to like make it work anyways so like just do a top four like whatever yeah the top two thing is very interesting because it's the first one that's ever happened like this um i think Feel, again, another tinfoil hat theory. I feel like this was a last minute decision to do the top two. I think so too, because it just doesn't seem thought out. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm wondering if like maybe they were going to do like a battle back and like maybe they decided not to. Like, I don't know what necessarily happened, but like, especially now that they have 12 episodes they need to fill out, you either have to make a bigger cast or you need to like bring people back. And they decided let's do neither. Yeah, it, it felt very beta. Like they're yes. definitely trying to figure it out. Yes, I, I genuinely do think Heidi quitting threw a lot of wrenches in the producer's plans for the season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that they were able to really recover. No. Yeah. Yeah. Between that and just like, just obvious choices that they were making with making the sausage that just came across so obviously. It's just like, who, whatever they did, the, like the story producers, I should say here, whatever was going on. I hope Mother Goose comes back and teaches them a lesson for AS9. You gotta get some good stories going. Yeah, no, I agree. Something else I wanted to note. Um, God, I missed Lala Ria on my TV. Yes, yes, yes. She, obviously based with like how she's been eliminated now, 
between her and Jessica to lump them together, I think they are perfect shoe-ins for a versus the world iteration. We see how the pipeline works now, obviously, right? Yep. The perfect setup, alley-oop, whether they're on it together at some point or they go on their own separate versions. I see the vision for both of them respectively. Like they have spinoff winner written all over both of them, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Lala Ree just fucking killed the entire season and then just i mean this performance she marked her fucking stamp it was i mean she basically guaranteed her spot back on um whatever she wants to be honest like if she wants to do a global all-stars if she wants to wait for like an all-stars that she knows there's gonna be a bunch yeah. of really strong girls there like versus the world whatever she wants to do lala reed can do at this point i think so too i think so too i think her big moment in the tenure of her time as an alumni from drag race that I think really solidified her with the fan base and then production quite frankly was when they were doing the digital drag stuff for was it the reunion or the the look back or whatever it was and she tore what what everything she did was immaculately conceived she proved her star beyond what she had already done and I feel like it's been nothing but up for her and I just I'm very happy for her. She just really deserves it. Lights up the screen. Super fucking talented. Clear direction with what she wants to do with her drag. I've never gotten to meet her, but I, you can tell she is a genuine, kind soul. Yeah, I mean, she is a god-tier narrator. Like, she's someone that, like, you put her on every single season, and, like, no one cares, because it's Lala Ree, and I just want to listen to her talk. I agree. I agree. She also, that improv challenge, sorry, we're going back a few episodes, tore that shit up <laughs> like she's so good at every part of this entire process in my opinion mm-hmm. and you can tell the queens who are kind of producing themselves a little bit who are trying to like portray themselves in a certain lala Ree is just she's there to have fun and she's there to have a good time and whatever pops into her little head she's going to say and yeah. that is just so endearing and just so like it just makes you connect to her in a completely different way because you can tell that she's not bullshitting you to be unafraid like that is so admirable. And like, yeah. it's it's clean cut contrast when you see people on the same season where it reads a little bit more self-produced and then it's like juxtaposed with her in real time. It's like, oh my God, it's literally night and day. Yeah. So talent show, Lala, no, not Lala Ree. We were just talking about Lala Ree. Um, Alexis Michelle, we're just going to go in alphabetical order. So Alexis Michelle, she does a live song. She sings live. Uh, It's her original song. And it's about cherries apples apples Apples. yeah what did you think about alexis michelle i think that was her strongest performance showing of the season maybe i think it was a proper bookend through line to like who she was as a character on this season horny rachel berry the the brand could not be clearer very Uh, that and i think I think her ability to lean into that and be a little less afraid to like be that type of person, I think helped her through the execution of that performance. She did things that I could never be able to do. So I can't really negatively critique any of it. The execution was pretty strong. I didn't live for the reveal look. I think the reveal process was well done, but I think there could have been some notches hit a little harder on what was underneath the dress. She looked amazing. She sounded great. Um, probably more middle of the pack for me of the night, like top middle, if that makes sense. I disagree a little bit. I would put her on my lower end. I think her problem, and I think it's a lot of 
this talent show in general, they're doing performances that we've already seen in other talent shows, which obviously is going to happen. I mean, like we have these every year and there's like, you know, 10 people doing them every single time that you're going to run out of stuff to do. But I think a lot of people just didn't do them as good as we've seen them done. So it's hard Mm -hmm. to not compare someone like Jinx Monsoon singing, you know, another like theater queen energy. Um, I appreciated that Alexis made it horny because that is kind of like her brand at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, But like you said, the look after she like, you know, unzipped the dress was just a little off. Like the Um, apples look like ovals. Yeah. They didn't like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I just thought she does this really weird split at the end and it's like a very slow split. And she looked like, you know, like the Barbie legs and you can like kind of move them a little bit. <laughs> it was that giving that, comparison. it was giving that a little bit. So like, it was fine. She sounded great. It just seemed a little half-baked. Yes. I think they also had the card stacked against them with a one minute runtime to perform. Like, I think that is, that is some high fucking pressure. Exactly. Because you you could have like a Jan thing where like you do a longer performance that then gets cut and you have to be like, okay, well, what are they going to cut from mine? Or you can just like try and condense it all into this little section and it just kind of feels like, okay, that went nowhere. Mm-hmm. But you only have a minute. So yeah, I think, yeah, she was, she's good. She's good. Middle one way or another. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Alexis an open case because... I see issues, but it wasn't bad. And I wasn't like, this is amazing either. It's just kind of in the middle for me. I'm with you on that. Okay, next up is Darian Lake, who does a little stand-up moment. And as we've seen in other talent shows, the stand-ups almost always flop. So I was a little worried for her. But I'm like, this is my girl, Darian. She knows what she's doing. She's funny. She's endearing. And I thought she did a good job. She did a good job. I feel like my one critique is that she does tend to double dip in her jokes and punchlines, which is fine. Material is material. But I think when you're using or double dipping punchlines in the same universe, it doesn't hit as hard, whether it was on her original season or things that, yeah, things that she did on this season where, I don't know, I there were things that she was even quoting from, like, she just had that comedy special where, like, I've heard these, love, like, you're, like, different avenues. Maybe, like, when you're touring, double dip. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't have a problem with what her source material is. I just think, because I think this was in her criticism also, that like the the big girl thing, the big girl narrative, it's like, yes, you are still technically plus size, sure. But it's like, you're also not over 300 pounds anymore. So like the jokes just aren't really like that one-to-one with like what an audience is seeing and hearing as like the storyteller of her position. Um, So I feel like there's just like multiple things that aided in not helping her land for me i feel like she was she was good she was not like apprehensive in her execution i would say a little bit behind alexis michelle for me uh in the middle of the pack factor not bad but i would say open case for sure okay yeah i mean i i and i think that's just darian's humor is like the self-deprecation but like it was very much like a re- a redo of her season six stand-up challenge moment. And with the way that she just fucking roasted all of the fame game tweets on Twitter, I wanted her to just go down the line and just roast everybody. Yeah. And like what I love about Darian's comedy in general is that like she's usually a bit of an edgelord with what she's putting out. Like if you saw her live comedy special, she's not afraid to like talk about lines going up the nose kind of shit, you know? And like, I mean, look at that fame game look that she did. Like Darian knows 
dark humor. And I wish we got more of that. And I feel like that could still be done through a self-deprecating lens by just like making herself out to be some crazy junkie slut, which like would be great. <laughs> that, that's a great pivot. And that's a new layer to her, regardless if there's fact behind it or not. Like she certainly seems like she's had plenty of experience based on any anecdote she's given, which I live for. Good for mm-hmm. her. But like, I think that was a missed opportunity for her to really like, I feel like, cause that's Rue's sense of humor also just like really dark, dark like it's dark humor or boob jokes. That's what yeah. you got to do. land it with RuPaul. And I feel like she didn't go there and I feel like she could have. Yeah, no, I, I do agree. I think that like, I was more nervous for her because stand up has been a little rocky in these talent shows. So just the fact that she landed almost every single joke, I was like, okay, good. Yes. I also appreciated that she did something different because we got a lot of lip syncs to original tracks or non-original tracks. So um, I appreciated that she went a route that was like more for her, even if it was still expected for her. I'm going to give her a close case, but she's definitely not like top, top for me. Yeah, that's fair. That makes sense. So up next, we have one of our top two, James Mansfield, who does an entire song about her breastplate. Yes. I think (laughs) she, she was amazing baseline i thought it was it was the levels were great the the pacing was really well done um her reveals were really clean i did have a thought though and maybe i'll get in trouble for asking this outward rhetorically maybe not rhetorically please sound off in the comments below is there a double standard between her drag and jimbo's drag oh 1000 percent. okay i just wanted to make sure i wasn't the only one in that um but (laughs) She definitely secured a high spot for me just because, A, I love James Mansfield. I think her arc as being a first out and just doing the damn thing this season, regardless of how she placed, is really amazing. And she has embraced what her brand is, knows exactly who she is. And I feel like this performance specifically felt the least redundant out of what she was outputting over the course of the season. I felt the most fully realized, I think is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Well, and kind of like you said, RuPaul loves a boob joke. I mean, Yada Sophia, that was like right up RuPaul's Play the game. Her Play talent the show. Game. So James was smart. James is very smart. I thought the song was really funny. It was well right. produced. I think she, she has such a stage presence now. And when you look at her on season nine and you see how much she's grown, it's insane. And like bringing back a first out on All Stars, I'm not going to say it's not questionable. I mean, especially we're saying all stars. It's a little questionable. She didn't do well on the show. Does she deserve to come back? I think because of how well she's done outside of the show. Uh, yes. She for sure does. But I can see why people question it and are a little bit like, mm. so the mm. fact that she kind of threw it back in their faces and became a fan favorite on the season and got kind of the robbed narrative by the fandom, I think is just so cool. Yeah. I was shocked at her elimination, to be honest. I thought the judging was very bizarre on that episode. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, you know, she kind of got her redemption this episode. She got, she they got money for winning the lip sync, right? I think so. No, maybe not. Maybe they just got the Fame Games wheel thing. Point, whatever, yeah. But I feel like the point wheel definitely kind of secures an analytic point that it's going to probably go to either one of them, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, She gets times two for her votes in the Fame Games, which I think she's one that a lot of people are going to vote for anyway. I mean, she's done, done her whole YouTube series, kind of chronicling all of her looks. So I am going to give James a close case. I think she did really well. I agree, close case, for sure. 
Up next, we have Jessica Wilde, who lip syncs to her song. I remember liking the song, but I was, she went last. Or maybe she went, no, she went last. And I was over the, the like, lip syncing to songs. So I was kind of like. Yeah, yeah. The original track thing is just like a little passe, I guess, at this point. But I love Jessica Wilde. I was yes. so happy when we all found out that she was on the show. It's the Jessica Renaissance right now. I loved the the cultural call out that she did though with like the Bata de Cabello. I don't know if that's the proper pronunciation, but like the swinging of the hair. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I learned about that through like Brazilian culture. And it's like a very specific art form of like knowing how to do that and like understand the physics of neck rotation to wig. Fl- it's like, it's so hard to do and like to be so static and controlled. I think song, sure, great, fine, whatever. I think performance itself Fabulous. I think close case for her in general. Close case too. I, 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 on one hand, I always kind of question why you would do this number when it's been done so many times. I mean, to death at this point, but it's not like she didn't do something somewhat original with it, you know, with like the hair flipping and stuff. So it's like, I like that she put her stamp on it. Yes. yes. I like that she looked stunning and had good choreo. So there's not really much I can like dock except for like maybe some like originality points, but it's still a close case. Yeah. And, and quite frankly, her entire run on this season was a close case for me. I think she just, she rose to the occasion so immaculately. I've had the great pleasure of being able to work with her many times here in Los Angeles. And I mean, we had been hoping for the longest time that she was going to get, get her chance back in the sun on the TV. Just like, she's so good at hosting. She's so good at being a, a, a contemporary in the same space, working together with her performance is just unmatched. I mean, look at what she did as a lip sync assassin. Like it just, she is such a perfect package type of character. Um, and she's no different out of drag. She's just a legitimately kind, nice, talented person. So I'm just so happy for her overall. Well, and I, she is going to be booked for as long as she wants to do drag now because she was the fan favorite of the season. She, I really do compare her to Trinity K. Bonet because much like Trinity, their only bad performance in the whole season was the Snatch Game. And if it yeah. was the top two format, they both would have had like 30 wins and, you know, been very good, like contenders for the crown for sure. They totally. Yeah, I agree. Again, she's going to win something in that universe soon. I, I feel it in my bones. Yeah, I mean, why would you not? If they have like a legend season at this point, I think this season gave Jessica a, a lock to be on a legend season. Yeah, I, yeah, it's so interesting that you refer to it as legend because I refer to, uh, I think, the echelon that she comes from in like the earlier seasons of Drag Race as like legacy performers, right? So mm-hmm. I feel like there's some space there. Like, uh, who's it? I think Naomi coined it, where it's like the single season girl or the single digit girls or whatever. Like, <laughs> there's so much room to play with that. Um, and yeah, Jessica is a shoe in for anything like that, regardless. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So close case for Jessica. Closed. Next, we have Kahana Montrese, who did a, what started off as kind of a cheerleading, but then just turned into a dance to my song routine. Yeah. But there was definitely a theme going. I appreciated the theme. They all were wearing like their cheerleading outfits. They had the mat down. I just expect it because I know she is an amazing, like, like she can do all those gymnastic moves and stuff. Like that's what I was expecting. And then she did like one backflip and then it was like it. And I was like, oh, so now we're just lip syncing. Okay. Yeah, it got stunted. Like there was a really big hyphy buildup and then hits that center mark at the front and static. 
Like, yeah. it was good. Open case? I don't want to say cold case. Well, it sucks because we have such high expectations for Kahana because of that first episode. Because we know she is an incredible performer that can do so many moves that yes. like no one else could even like imagine doing. Yes. Uh, so it's just kind of like she didn't meet expectations, but she didn't do bad. Correct. I think, again, her run was also great on this show. Mm-hmm. She hit so many marks fully redeemed herself from season 11 in my opinion and i'm glad that production gave her that space to do so as well yeah no i agree i think it it's she kind of almost was getting the roxy where it's like okay she's been in the bottom a lot let's send her i think she would have benefited more for if she went home earlier because the fandom wouldn't have had that moment where they're like oh my gosh like kahana staying over oh, yeah. like yeah i think that would have benefited her more but like i still think she showed that she has so much more than what she showed on season 11 and like, I know me, the second that she comes anywhere near my town, I will be there. Like I will be grabbing. Oh, that- yeah, it's literally like take my money. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think she's going to benefit a lot from being on this season. Yeah. Open case for the performance, closed case for her run. How about that? Yeah, that I, I'll go open. It was good. It just wasn't the best. Yes. Um, next up, we have La La Ree, who shut it the fuck down. Like, it was over. Over. I mean, let's just get it out of the way. Closed case. Like, there's no question about that at all. Yeah. She just hit every nail and mark on the head perfectly. No questions asked. You literally cannot negatively critique that performance. Objectively, in my opinion. She was, like, launching in the air. She had a spinning platform. The choreo was, like, it was, like, Ariana, or not even Ariana, like, she's not the best dancer. Like, it was like almost Beyonce level music video choreography. It felt like a Super Bowl performance. Yes, yes. I think she was the best of the night, period. Oh, yeah. If this was a single, I want to live in the reality where this is the first episode and Lala Ree wins the very first week and everyone all season is like, Lala Ree is that girl. You know, that's right. Yeah, for sure. In my head canon, that's where we are, for sure. Mm hmm. Because I just really think this challenge is perfect. For the first episode it is the perfect reintroduction to you and your drag and what you do best. And I feel like this girl groups in the first episode, everyone just gets lost because they're all doing basically the same thing. And it just doesn't let people stand out as much. I have another conspiracy theory. Yeah. I think that this episode was supposed to be the first week episode. And I think that ties back into what they saw as runway, uh, the package overall from each girl or performer. And they wanted to recalibrate that. And I, again, I have no idea if that's the case, but in retrospect, if they took everything into consideration from each contestant that was submitting what they were going to bring and be doing, I think they were like, whoa, 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 not sure about all that. Why don't we let them do that when they're already gone? And then we'll worry about that later. It was a lot, just too much like same stuff. Like it would have been a boring episode. Yeah. 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 I agree. Well, plus, if you're trying to pack in, like, the entrances and the talent show and, like, some more... It's just, like, it's a lot to take in. Where it's, like, the girl groups lasts like, you know, six minutes and we move on. Yes, yes. And I the one thing I hope we also do with, the like, group numbers is that we can't just do two different versions of the same song. I'm over that. Like, I'm, I cannot listen to the same song, regardless if it sounds slightly different. Give them something else. Let's give levels to this. Like, yeah. I know... That- it's just yeah anyway i digress <laughs> yeah lala Ree, obviously close case amazing best next up we have the mean queen herself 
Monica Beverly Hills. What did you think she said? Like when you first watched, like what did you interpret the not a soul can clock? I was honestly shocked that people were mishearing it because I caught it immediately. No idea. I was, she could, it was simlish to me. I had no clue what she was saying. (laughs) It was such an interesting performance. I mean that in the, in the most positively sincere way, because I didn't know what she was going to do. And then like comes out, has like a singing in the rain motif. And then it just fully goes somewhere else and then stayed there without going anywhere else, which is, I was just like waiting for a buildup and it didn't. I saw a quote tweet um, of like the performance and someone said, I was so excited for it to start. And then it ended. (laughs) And I was like, no, literally like when she sat down on the bench, I was like, oh, we're going somewhere. And then it was, that was the end. Yeah. Yeah. I think it will age well. Oh uh, yeah. It doesn't matter how good or bad you do, as long as people remember it and people will remember this. Because of the soaking clock. That's all people are talking about. Yeah. Like, she did what she needed to do in that regard, for sure. Exactly, um, exactly. Where's the merch? Drop the merch. I, need, I I don't know that she has Twitter, but someone told me we need MBH merch, so I'm going to need to find a contact, and we're going to need to really make Really hunt, hunt her down right now. You need clock merch immediately. That's my mission today, actually. I'm going to send emails. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, look, for me, I, I say she looked amazing. She fulfilled what she needed to do it's closed for me it's fine like <laughs> i uh i can't in good conscience give her a closed case i love monica i love that she got to show off where she's at show us the whole new monica you know since season five she's in a much better place she's a much stronger drag performer this just wasn't it for me personally it was a shock <laughs> it, was something. it was something she looked stunning she looked amazing um i'm going to give it a mm, i don't want to be mean i'm gonna give it a cold case i'm sorry <laughs> it just wasn't it just wasn't exciting it didn't go anywhere i just wanted more i would take more if she had it <laughs> I, I always want more monica i mean Me like too. so i'm down for that but she had a very strange run yeah overall I don't know what factors came into play there, but kind of like with the Heidi situation, it there there just kind of felt like there was a heaviness, not not because of her personally. Something wasn't conge- congealing or connecting, um, and I can't quite put my finger on what those factors were. But however she was framed by production on the television in the final edits, it just wasn't clicking for some reason. I think there was for sure some nerves. And production hates that. They hate when someone's nervous. They hate when someone is holding back because they're a little bit nervous. And I mean, it's kind of like a death spell. So, but I will say this performance miles better than the episode one performance by Monica. Yeah. I mean, speaking of nerves, I mean, you really could sense the second she walked into the workroom and was on the stage, there was multitudes of apprehension which i get it like it's it's a new frontier she's from the single digit seasons and mm-hmm. she got a pretty rough edit albeit she was a maverick and a pioneer and what she did with her time on season five but to come back and have to supersede expectations that are already stacked against you and you're in a new microcosm of a microcosm you kind of experienced before i'm sure there was a lot of that playing into factor also 
Well, and like, especially after All Stars 5 and 6, where like there was a lot of kind of negative talk about there being early outs on. Like, I could yeah. imagine being an early out going into a season already kind of feeling like the fandom might be stacked against you and having some of that like stress and anxiety. And like, I, I could see that really like affecting someone. So completely. Well, I hope they bring her back in some faction because I think she's really oh, cool yeah. and deserves a little bit more time personally. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I fully agree. Um, next up, we have fucking this wackadoodle performance from Mrs. Kasha Davis. I was expecting um, a story time. I was expecting a housewife thing. And she gave us absolute chaos. And I loved every second of it. Yes. She's wearing this like, okay, this <laughs> look is wild. It's It's this like white cloak and then she rips it off and she's wearing this like it, it gives me like Eureka. Like she loves those like strappy neon. Girl wins kind of tea. Yup, yeah. yup. Um, and then she rips off her wig and they put like a pur- a purple one on instead. And then at the end, she's just like calmly reading from her book. And I'm like, I don't know what just like happened, but I'm just happy I was there to witness it. Totally. My I think my biggest takeaway was that it like with that performance alone, she subverted expectation of what she was going to deliver. Right. I think that's a really important thing to to recognize if it wasn't everybody's cup of tea i get it but at the same time it's like everyone's expecting her to be the the town mayor's wife ross dress for less storybook hour read 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 and she took that crumpled it up ate it shit it out and ate it again and it was perfect i think it was so great i love seeing her go raw like that like going bald like really just like she's a very unafraid person and i think she's a more developed entertainer post season seven, of course, like just through further growth and experience and like just what her own personal journeys have been. And I think through those respective elements, she's just learned to say like, fuck it. I'm going to do me. And that resonates the most with me. So that was honestly one of my favorite performances of the night. So for me, it's a close case. Oh, total close case. Well, and it's really like weird how it worked out. Cause like, obviously they filmed this a year ago and this is before the whole, like, drag queen you know witch burning at the stake and now this disgusting supreme court decision so but like it feels like she almost predicted that with this performance just like the anger and like the like the feeling of just like wanting to like explode with all of this fury and she that's what she did in her performance she said literally fuck you you're all pieces of shit and um i'm just gonna go read to some kids and have fun and do what i can it was punk like that's like was so punk and like no one is going to expect that from kasha and she mm-hmm. said fuck you like that is so cool like i loved it i fucking loved it no i you're do you like follow all the spoilers on reddit of course you remember early on she was supposed to make it like pretty far and i was so excited for that and then as the spoilers kept coming out she just kept going earlier and earlier and oh. earlier and then it was like third and i was like i can't fucking deal with this i need kasha. it, it, it was bro- and it's like okay I, I guess i can't like be mad with how it actually went down because like whatever but like she did amazing that first episode she should have won that second episode it's like oh just give what her the was that on the second episode that that will never make any sense to me no no barb deserved better again look at how she subverted expectation Full punk, full don't give a fuck and we saw and that in the main games too her runway that grace jones runway i mean it, she it is definitely going outside of what we know her for. 
which in a competition setting can be good or bad, depending on how the judges feel that day about your brand and all of that. But like she she showed us that she is so much more than we thought she was. Completely, completely. And uh, if she gets an opportunity to come back and she chooses to go for it, I'll be rallying right behind her just as I have since season seven. Like I just truly adore Kasha Davis and everything she represents. Just she's just so great. So close case through and through for her for me. Same. I just watched her. It might have been an older episode and I just missed it. Uh, her very Delta episode. And just like it's listening so to good. her speak. Like she just seems like such a genuinely kind human being. Yeah, she is. She is. She's so lovely. And um, yeah, that interview with very Delta is just like further illuminating. Like she's so introspective and yeah. she puts so much stock in every experience she's ever had and doesn't hold on to anger and can just objectively take a step back at any situation, even involving her. And just assess it for what it is and not internalize it. And I think that's such an important tool that we can all learn from her to to apply to our own lives. Because she, I mean, she preaches about kindness, but I think in her method, she's a peace protector. And mm-hmm. like, she's so good about being grateful and acknowledging opportunity and also making space for other people at the same time. And I think she's just a very special person. No, all literally all of that. I I adore Kasha. Next up, we have Nasha Lopez, who does a little flamenco dance, and then randomly for fifteen seconds dances to Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> I was thrown for a loop. I didn't know what was happening. I had to ask myself like three times. I was like, was that a J Lo song? Just catch that. And it was literally like ten seconds, if that. Like you think you're just gonna get this like nice flamenco number, and then like all of a sudden it's like. The music drops and like J-Lo starts and then they do like an eight count and it's over. I think that was the weakest one for me. It had so much potential. You could see the potential building in like those first couple of seconds because I will give her a tens. You saw the Continental leap out. The, the, the precision, the control, that was like very Sasha Colby adjacent Continental control stage presence and then it fell off i don't know what happened i think that maybe she thought just doing the flamenco was not enough that like she needed more but i think it would have been perfectly fine with just that like it was it was so technical it was so impressive and it was something we haven't seen in a talent show which i appreciated but then it's like it just leaves leaves it on such like a sour note just like here's a little dance because i can do that too also i love j-lo yeah, it, there was not a through line for me. And I think that's the, the hardest thing against her for that. She looked stunning. That Perfect. look was everything. I mean, most of her looks I have absolutely adored. Um, specifically because she only had, a, what, a week to get ready? Two weeks? Oh, yeah, she said that, didn't she? She got, yeah, someone dropped and she came in, but she didn't have much time at all. So, like, the fact that she managed to get all these looks together is insane. But the fact that they also are, like, amazing. Like, I think about her... um a Miss Shady Lady, I think it was, when it was like the... Yes, um, with the fucking note parchment. Yes, yes it was so, so funny. Her milk and cookies. I did like that one. There were some Fame Game runways that were a little miss for me. <laughs> you, uh, could tell, you could tell when she was like, I have this and it, it will definitely work. Yeah. Who do you think was the original placer for her? Like the contestant? Oh, I don't know. Because I, I know that like they did the... um the early out season and like this was supposed to be separate but that people were dropping left and right so like i don't know 
Yeah, I couldn't even begin. Plastic. I know plastic drops, so it could be like a plastic. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll see if she's back. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, excited for that. Me too. So, Nasha <laughs> Lopez. Uh, I'm going to have to give her a cold case. I'm teetering. I'm going to do open because I the middle section, I loved the look. I yeah. loved it. It was just like a, the other parts that I didn't. So it's kind of like a mixed bag. Yeah, we're in like in a jar case with her for me. Slightly open, more so closed. Or cold, rather. It's freezing. Yeah. No, no, that's valid. So after all of the eliminated queens go, we have our top two perform. And we start with <laughs> with Jimbo, who makes an ice cream sundae. And that's it. It was perfect. It, it was, was I remember reading like the write-up on Reddit and I was like, she makes an ice cream sundae. What? Well, she made an ice cream sundae the way only Jimbo can, which is pull everything out of her extremities. Yeah. And the thing too is like there are levels of okay, we can expect certain elements in that type of performance from her. However, you never can guess what the next move is. And that is what makes it special to me. Like you literally did not know where the next thing was coming from. And it took me, I think on the third watch of the episode to realize that the fucking ice cream came out of her hair. Yeah. I don't know how I missed that the first two times. And the fact that it had like the dry ice thing going, like there was so much acute attention to detail that like, it was perfect. It was literally perfect. The garment that she was wearing was basically like an engineer had to make it because like this had to open up and this had to have a pocket. And this like, it was like, it was like machinery. Yeah. Yeah. And it was all the gears were clicking together. Mm-hmm. Well, in Jimbo, I thought that she was coming into this talent show at a disadvantage because she already has a really, really good talent show. So that's going to be compared. Like whatever she does is going to be compared to that. But I think this one is better. I agree. I agree because it's less of the first one or her first talent show run was good because no one could ever see that coming. But then the second one with the Sunday, it was just like, oh, this is mega evolution going on, right? Yes. This is, this is her quasi final form that we're witnessing. And yeah, I mean, for me, it's closed. It's signed, sealed, delivered. If she were to be lumped in with, all the other contestants and wasn't just the host, I would say she was the most effective next to Lala. I would say they were tied. She knew what she had to do. She understood the assignment. She did. She did. I mean, that was so clearly the top two of the episode, but like James was also like good, but like she was like third for me. So like Jimbo can't be lumped in with everyone. Then like that makes, that made sense. Yeah. Close case. Insane. And thank God. Yes, exactly. No one else is doing what Jimbo does. And yeah. I, I also don't think they should, but like, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Buyer beware with Jimbo. Yes, exactly. Um. So then we have Candy who does her song Muse. And I think this fell victim to, she thought this was going to be the first thing that people see. And it ended up being the last. And it was just kind of rehashing a lot of like more season 13 stuff. And we were like, we're over that now. Like, you have a whole new season. Yeah, it just, especially, I mean, who knows how it was all filmed in what order, but, like, to have to follow up Jimbo. And statistically, she was another original track dance number. It was all stacked against her. Yeah, well, and so Ocean Kelly did the vocals. And I always just find it a little strange when they're lip syncing to, like, not themselves, but it's It's their... It's like... Because I'm first, like you sit there, you're sitting there, and you're like, "Is that Candy?" 
maybe no no i don't think that's candy and then you're just like okay well then who is it? <laughs> and like obviously ocean kelly is like iconic it's just a little like why are you here <laughs> yeah uh i'm sure there was intention behind it for me not the strongest performance it wasn't bad i mean she's an incredible performer but i think given the content of it it was par for the course to be fair little, yeah it was a little forgettable but yeah I, all i can remember is the muse letters uh, yeah she did some like voguing or noging i i don't you know I'm not one to judge that. It looked precise to me, but I can't be the one to find it. Yeah. Um, she, had, she had more eight counts than I can do. So it, it, it worked in that regard. Um, yeah. I'd say it's like, it's a fair open case. I want to go open just because like, I have seen this performance about 30 times now. And like, if you can't add anything different at all, like nothing to put your stamp on it, then like, I'm just going to forget about it. It's just going into that huge pile of like lip sync numbers we've had in the talent show. Completely. Completely. So, but she's had a solid run too. I mean, I'm glad that she was able to come back. It seems like the fans are pretty receptive to her this time around. They should have been for 13, but I, I've had to delete slash block so many people. So many. I don't think I've ever had to, I, I have not seen in my comment section this much hate for a queen on any season. It is insane. For candy? Yes. Oh my yes. God. It's fucked up. I know. Shit. I literally had one day where like, I, I don't, can't remember where the tweet was, but I was literally hiding reply block, hiding reply block, because it was nothing but like vitriol for Candy Muse. I was like, literally fuck off. I wish people could understand those types of people who are just so incessantly negative or just hateful towards her could understand that like being on Drag Race has been a dream of hers since before she even got on season 13 she is the type of person who is able to set an intention and make shit fucking happen and like since working in brooklyn with her watching her just grow as an artist and then getting getting cast onto season 13 that that should have been a a global cause for celebration if people were actually uh inclinated to understanding how she was literally living her fucking dream and this was no different. Like, she is so in her element. She's a great drag race contestant. She knows how to play the game. She's an amazing drag queen in general. Like, I just wish people could see beyond their own gross, like, racist confirmation bias, to be honest. Like, it's so it's so weird to me that people can't see her heart or her humanity. She's such a cool person. Same. And, like, she's making amazing television for you. Like, if Candy wasn't on her seasons what would have happened? Literally, what would have happened? Nothing. Like, she brought the drama on both of her seasons. So do you want the drama or do you not want the drama? Because, like, you can't have both. You can't it's like, a have drama and all. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, if people are going to be starting the drama, you also then have to accept, hey, they're making fun TV. Maybe I shouldn't go send them death threats. Right. Like you've said in the past, watch the show and go about your fucking day. It's that simple. It's that mm-hmm. simple. Why, mm-hmm. why even expand or expend your own bandwidth on someone that you think you don't like? Go go touch fucking grass. Like, I don't know what to say. Like, it's crazy. And, yeah, and I, you know, the show is really good at, I think, making you not like the people they don't want you to like. Because I, I have to check myself sometimes. Sometimes I'm watching, I'm like, oh my fucking God, this bitch. And then I have to say, this is television. This is a competition. This is not how they're acting in their day-to-day life. And if they were, we would all know about it because like shit gets around. The girls talk. Yes, exactly. So like, 
yeah, it's just, you just have to like, who can, like, I would never go to Twitter at whoever I don't like. Fuck you. Like, what it's... like type of like, <laughs> what type of person does that? It's insane to me. It's very sociopathic behavior. Yeah, it's very go to therapy. Yeah, talk to someone, anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> literally, write, literally. Write the journal. I don't know what to tell them. <laughs> exactly. There's lots of ways to cope. This is not one of them. I agree. But yeah, uh, open case for candy. Open case. So we have our top two, and it is La La Ree and James Mansfield, and they lip sync to Rain On Me, and I need Drag Race to stop wasting good songs on moments that really don't matter. Yeah, and also like duet lip sync battles are strange to me. Not like how they interact with each other. It's like you're going to make them perform and then have to do the two different artists and like have to convey that in a way that's successfully executed. I feel like another odd example like that was the the finale, not the finale lip sync, the final episode lip sync before the crowning on season 14 between Angeria and Willow? The telephone, uh, yeah. Telephone. Why are you going to make them do two different artists in one lip sync? It's Why do you so... give them telephone when they're in gowns? I like, could please... not believe. It's that. And also Lady Marmalade in um, season 13, when it was like the three of them, just like in the first episode, they're not like wearing I looks that they're meant that. to like lip sync it. Yeah. No, it's like these songs that like are so beyond like gay anthems. Like they're like gay. Like this is our religion. Like Rain on Me and Telephone and Lady Marmalade. Like. I pray to them every night. So, wow. like, they need to have their moments. A finale. Like, lip sync for the crown. Like, do it then. <laughs> it's just like, why are you doing rain on me now? Yeah, it was like, this is a, a no-stakes battle at this point. And why is James Mansfield in a cavewoman outfit? <laughs> she has, like, slash marks on the front. She did! She <laughs> did, so yeah. funny to me. I'm like, oh. what is the... <laughs> I don't get it. No through line. <laughs> no through line at all. Um, they both win, which is like, sure, you know. I was happy that they gave Lala a win, though. I was like... Lala, definitely, if we had to pick one, it was Lala. Yeah, they got they gagged my ass when they first said James, because I was like, great performance, but we're going to not give that to Lala? Come mm-hmm. on. So, well, and I'm a glad- great redemption for James, because, you know, love Shaq on season nine was not the best. So, you know. I think she did the best in that lip sync. In Love Shack? I, I'd send them both home. Oh, what'd you say? Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm glad. It's not lost on me that the two girls who had the most unfair eliminations are That's the fair. two that won, you know, this episode. Very good point that you make there. I haven't even thought about it that way. That makes so much sense. Yeah, so not saying it's not deserved. It's just, you know, coincidences. You know, they happen. So also just get made. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, Lala Ree gets times three in her fame games. Yes. And James gets two. How are you basing your fame games votes? If you feel comfortable sharing that. I know it's a very private thing. Well, my votes are always going to go to myself. And then tertiarily, I think it's, I think it goes beyond what just, the the remaining runways are i think it's in terms of like audience reception overall like what what was what did your arc look like how has your engagement online with everyone been post filming and then while it's airing and like how are you interpreting the real-time airing with everyone that's watching and i think there's like a lot of multiple components for me so i think the ones that i could 
argue the most for outside of like Lala and James, obviously having more of an upper hand at this point with the points. My heart still stays with Kasha, stays with Darian. I really wish we got to see Heidi's stuff. Well, if you support our Patreon. I know I have to get on there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's like, here's the thing. I'm going to talk about them so bad, but I'm like, I'm not like, that's, it's behind a paywall for a reason. I'm not going to keep the firewall up there for sure. But, but Heidi's stuff is good. We'll just say that you, if you, if you're not, Subscribe to her five dollar Patreon, which is not I'm such a fake fan. I'm gonna go subscribe right after this. Actually, well, and that's the thing. It's it, like I would I would understand if it's like fifty bucks or whatever. It's a five dollar Patreon. Um, her stuff is really good. It's really good. Cool. Well, if hers actually aired, then I'm sure she would probably be up there for for my Quinn. Well, and the other thing is like I wish there was a cutoff, only because like if the deal is it's for the eliminated girls to show off what they couldn't do. Jessica showed everything. Yeah. Like yeah. Alexis showed everything. Like Lala showed almost everything. Like I just feel like Jessica's gonna win, which is fine, completely fine. But that just kind of defeats the purpose because she got to show literally everything. That there's not a single runway, not a single challenge that she did not get to show off her stuff. So at that point, it's just like, is the third placer always gonna win because people like them and feel bad they didn't make the finale? Or did they intentionally make the voting system set up so you can make as many burner accounts as possible? I go full Sanjaya vote. I definitely voted from four different emails and all 40 of my votes went to Darian Lake. Period. Period. I mean, again, Snow Bunny runway. That's Oh my gosh. I literally, no, the Grace Jones runway. I mean, she had so many looks on top of, I think she was a little mistreated in the competition. I don't think she deserved all those bottoms. No, um, and... I thought that the reads that she did the other day were completely worthy of my 40 votes on Twitter. Oh, Those were so funny. Oh, I love her. I love her so much. I need her and Kasha to go on tour. Like, I know they have the Rochester brunch stuff. They need to tour big time. I hate, hate, hate that we live in a reality where Darian Lake and Kasha Davis are early outs on an all-star season. Yeah. That's, it's that's disgusting yeah, to me. You're right. It, yeah, no, I feel icky. I want to take a shower after saying that. Support them. Exactly, exactly. So that is the episode. And that was next, the episode. That was the episode. And next week they are doing their uh, remix. They are mingling with the eliminated, eliminated girls. I don't know why they're still there or what they're doing, but um, I don't know what they're going to do to fill the time in this finale. I have no idea. Who do you think will win? I think Jimbo is for sure winning. Because of Candy's reception, I don't think that it is lucrative to drag race to have a winner that is not liked by the fandom. Unfortunately, I just don't think with the amount of like opportunities and stuff that, you know, they're given that like giving it to someone that people aren't supporting is not going to bring in like, you know what I mean? Like the best opportunities for that queen. Completely. The gag for me, here we go. Tinfoil hat theory again. It is very exciting prospect. If we can get a locked-in Jimbo win, she'll have a fourth run on fucking Drag Race, which would be wild to me. Imagine all winners, too, with Jimbo and fucking Sasha Colby. Priyanka. Sasha Velour. Uh, oh, God, I was going to say Jada Essence. I know she just did it, but she's my favorite winner. Like, <laughs> Great, do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do the Let's run. Let's do Jada again. Bring her back. MD Peru. Like, there are so many heavy hitters that, like, we can have an all winners too that is like the most legendary season if they give it a budget this time. I'm in Kerala. Hello. She is like, on Duolingo right now. I know. I know. <laughs> oh, she's amazing. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Go on 
and I just adore Carmen Farola so much. Um, but yeah, so I think having Jimbo be on a fourth iteration and just continue being like an absolute combo breaker to the system uh, is a really exciting thing to me. Well, and like maybe this is like an unpopular opinion. I think Jimbo is one of the best queens the show has ever seen because she is constantly reinventing she is constantly saying how can i do better she's not going to give you the same stuff twice like she's constantly going to be trying to top herself and that's what that's what you look for in a competitor you know what i mean like you don't if you're just a drag queen you don't have to be doing that all the time but like as a competitor on this show that is what you want like that is what you want in someone you're bringing back especially yes and caveat to that also i would be so happy if candy won by the way, like yes, that would, I, that would be totally cool with me. I think she deserves a win regardless. Um, I would have been totally happy if she had won season 13. Simone deserved the win. Let's I'll put that pin in there too. But if Candy won, I would have been over the moon. It would have affirmed her dream really further becoming fully realized. But wins don't always equate to meaning everything also. She's still living her dream. And I just, you know, if she does win, I think she should still be supported. Um, but I think based on the, the stats, I would say it's probably Jimbo's. Well, and like when I'm looking at the end of the season of like, okay, who am I rooting for? It's not necessarily win count. It's not necessarily like how much do I like them? It's consistency. And Jimbo, I think, did not have a bad performance all season long. Like every single challenge, I think she knocked out of the park. Even like the one she was in the bottom for, the makeover, like that wasn't bad. It's just she had to be in the bottom. Um, The Rusical is probably her weakest, but like, I don't think she was bad. No, I don't really think anyone was really bad during that musical, to be no, honest. No, no, exactly. Yeah, I mean, they could have done, an, there was, there were episodes this season where I think they could have done non-eliminations and just do a top two. And then we would have a top four in the finale. And I just feel like it would all make more sense. I, I just don't know what they were like smoking on this set to like give us what they did with this format. <laughs> it was spice for sure. Yes, so, yes um... exactly. Exactly. It's It's a weird season, but it's almost over now. I know. Now they just need to hire you because you know what you're talking about. <laughs> they will never do that. <laughs> they would burn my home to the ground before they would do that. Um, <laughs> I know fine. the feeling well. It's fine because I we will make we will not make the same mistakes on Drag Jewel. I can promise you that. No, I'm so excited for Drag Jewel. Congratulations on all of that, by the way. Thank you. We're so excited. We have our cast and. It is like next level. When I say any of them can win, literally any of them, they're so good. Seated for this. I am so excited. Yay. I'm excited too. Thank you so much for coming back on the pod. Well, you've, this is your first time on the pod. You've been on the channel, but you haven't been on the pod. Yeah. Yeah. She's a pod girl now. Podcasting is my passion. <laughs> no, it's funny because I've had like, I had like Shazi on and she was like, I'm in my oh, podcasting God. era. I'm like doing my like rounds because she did a uh, Niru and Amanda's. And I was like, oh my gosh. It's like, we have so many podcasts now that people can just like hop on all of them. Yeah. I, I, I for whatever reason, the past like month and a half, I've been in like this gauntlet of just podcast domino effect after another one. And I'm like, I'm in a press junket, but I'm not really promoting anything. <laughs> <laughs> Pride Month is over. Yes, yes. But the opportunity is always appreciated. Thank you for always having me, sharing your platform, um, putting the performers on, and just, like, being so great at what you do. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, that means so much as someone who, like, I mean, even before this channel was around, I mean, I thought you were amazing. So, like, the fact that we're here now, such a full circle moment for me. You stuck with me, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, um, thank you so much. Can you tell everyone where they can follow you? And if they're not following you, what the fuck is wrong with you? 
Uh, I know that's right. Surely my Instagram is Bible girl, six, six, six threads is Bible girl, six, six, six. TikTok is Bible girl sucks. And Twitter is Bible girl, two, two, two. And if you want to support all drag entertainers that we represent, head over to dragqueenmerch.com and use code Bible girl sucks for a discount code. We love that. Um, you guys can follow me at drag detective everywhere. And next week we will have Kayla says on to break down whatever the fuck is about to happen in this finale. So I'm sure it's going to be, it's going to be very good. I texted Kayla. I was like, will you please come on for the finale? Cause I just want to talk some shit. And she's like, I would love nothing more. <laughs> she's sauteing it up for you in the pan. as we Exactly. Speak. Exactly. So that'll be really fun. All right. So thank you guys so much for watching and I will catch you all in the next one. Bye.